sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Howardell joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu. Chris. How you doing, buddy? Well, we're doing real well. I mean, I would say competent <laughs> is the word I would use to describe the <laughs> day. How's it going with you? Uh, competent's not the word I would use to describe the day. So we're on very different paths, uh, although the, the competence level has nothing to do with you nor I, but rather the, the, the others in the world who inhabit it with us. Indeed, indeed. I, I understand that uh, you've been encountering some gross incompetence en route to Cleveland, or mm. the Cleveland area, I should say. And uh, <laughs> listeners, hang on, because once this project is complete, I'm going to have some stuff to say. So I just need to keep my mouth shut for about two weeks, and then we can talk as much as we want, as candidly as we want, and you can respond in whatever way you see fit. I won't stop you. I have a but, feeling you'll have some ideas on how certain people might want to respond in your in your ideal <clears throat> world. Anshu, I would just I would just share with the listeners what my plan was, and if anyone wanted to jump onto the back of that, uh, you know, they're welcome. The bandwagon's open here. the 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 train is moving forward. Sounds I'm excited. Great. I, I wasn't yeah. sure if you were going to get into specifics or not yet, but I think I think the waiting two weeks is the is the the play. Yeah, we can't say anything right now. That's that only is going to cause problems. But look, that's not what we're here to talk about. That'll be two weeks from now. Right now, we've got a lot going on. Uh, the NBA Finals. We've got football. Is training camps? People are reporting the training camp. It's like this week. When did is summer over? I don't understand how that works. Baseball is going on. We just had the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, lots of other insignificant things. I've got BovadaSportsBook.com <laughs> open in front of me, and uh, we're going to talk about a ton today. Let's let's start with that that baseball All-Star Game. Just do you care about it? <laughs> That's the thing. Like when they had the rule, as as silly as it was that Bud Selig implied, you know, implemented this rule about. Mm. You know, having the World Series at the host of the winner. I, I mean, it is, does seem arbitrary, but is it any more arbitrary than having it the home field of the team with the better record, even though they're playing completely different teams? You know, right. like, I, I don't, I, I guess I don't mind it. I didn't mind it the way it was. Um, but because of that being stripped from the game, it becomes less interesting, I, I like in terms of stakes, but. I do think it's fun, and, and uh, you know, the announcers alluded to this many times. Joe Buck and, and John Smoltz were talking about how young this particular game was, especially given that last year we didn't have an all-star game. So, you know, mm -hmm. really the first time for a lot of these guys. And, it, I mean, we see Vlad Jr. obviously win the MVP. You see, you know, Juan Soto and Tatis, and, you know, the mic up stuff. I think, yeah, you know, that that could get cleaned up a lot. Um <laughs> But it was, it was cool to see their personalities on display. Obviously, it was Otani weekend, and you know mm -hmm. whether or not he lived up to expectations is kind of doesn't matter in my mind. But uh, you know, yeah. it's just it was cool to see him featured um, as he 
more than deserves. And it was, I think it was, it was fun. It was worth the watch, even though the game kind of sucked, I would say at times. But uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, we're all excited about Shohei Otani, except for, you know, Stephen A. Smith. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, I was just going to say that not everyone is as excited or appreciative of just how insane it is what he's doing. Um, but, you know, I, I think the majority of people do understand and appreciate it. And most importantly, a younger generation is seeing a game incredibly diverse and an incredibly, you know, talented, uniquely talented group of players that are, you know, taking like this analytics forward mindset and adding mm. their own flash and flair to it. And I think that that's, that that's made the game more interesting than it's ever been in my mind, even though there are shifts and, you know, there baseball does a great job of getting in its own way so often with like the, you know, the foreign substances and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, there are some like absolutely amazing personalities and talents. And I think I don't know that the Ulster game did a great job of exhibiting those those personalities, but it's almost self-evident just by watching the players on the field just how incredibly good these guys are, especially compared to, you know, even like eight or ten years ago in the post-Roids mm-hmm. era. I, like, it just, I think baseball was really headed for like a plateauing and this, again, this sort of, the fact that there it is such a diverse mix of people and personalities, I think, has a chance to save baseball if it that makes sense in terms of like a national young audience. Right. Well, and you know, eight to 10 years ago, our version of Shohei Otani was what Micah Owings. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I, I was trying to think it would be like, I think it's man, Owings, right? I guess so. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, that version, a guy who could pitch in it. Yeah. Like Mike Leak, maybe sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I know we got Reds fans listening, but yeah, no, I think it has, it has, it's just never really been done. And I think that it's so cool. And even forget about Otani, but just like all those other super interesting young players, like mm-hmm. I like eight or 10 years ago, maybe it's Arenado or, you know, Goldschmidt or these other guys that are, you know, really quality players, but maybe don't have like the swagger that some of these guys are and that they're not apologizing for having, which I think is, I think make adds to the product a ton. Yeah, Goldschmidt's unbelievable, but he's also boring. There's yeah. nothing there's nothing exciting about Paul Goldschmidt other than oh, you looked at the stats and he he hit, you know, 330 with uh, with 35 home runs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's great, but he's not he's not charismatic and you know, regardless of the idiotic things say that that Stephen A Smith say about Otani, like I don't care. That is the most charismatic human being in, in baseball right now. It doesn't matter to me if I cannot understand what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, by default, he just it's impossible to take your eyes away if you know anything about the game. It's like almost impossible to be that good of a pitcher or that good of a hitter. And and by hitter, I mean all-around position player, which he is a five-tool player. And then you add those two things into the same person coming off of injuries, choosing to leave his, like, his homeland. I think, I mean, Jeff Passon said it absolutely perfectly. Like, the it is incredible what he is. And, um, yeah, like, by default, I don't know, I mean charisma just being interesting by the sheer fact that he is this good whatever it is like he's he's awesome and it's something that hopefully we get to see a lot more of here in the next few years and that injuries don't derail what could be you know one of the all-time great careers in any sport well let me ask you do you think this season is at all fluky do you think he's this good i think he's yes i think he's this good 
I, I mean, it's gonna, it's always gonna be hard for him in my mind to stay healthy um, because, like, you can't, you just can't. There's not enough hours in the day to prep and to condition the way you need to to do both things. I would think, mm. but he's trying his his damnedest, and I think that it's, it's that's part of like the charm around him. I think is like, you know. Can can he maintain this? Can he keep this up? I, and I like I'm fascinated by it, but I think that this peak, this is close to the peak probably of what he can be. But you know, he's the MVP. He started at DH, he led off, and he was a starting pitcher in the game, in the All Star <laughs> game. Like that's that's as good as anyone could ever hope to do ever in any one yeah. of those three things. So you you can live with it if the peak is modern day Babe Ruth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's unreal. It really is unreal. And it's, and yeah, and he is, he has a lot of charisma and he really wants to be good. It's not just like this robot out there. So I think that adds to the whole, the whole thing too. And that's, it's pretty cool. Last year, you and I spent a lot of time talking about the, uh, the upcoming MLB draft, partially because we were in the midst of, uh, of COVID and yeah. also be- because you and I had, both of our teams had top 10 picks that year. Oh, Philly's just outside the top 10, but high draft picks. Mm-hmm. Did you pay, uh, did you pay any attention this year? A little. They did, again, MLB just loves getting in its own way. Like, mm-hmm. they put the draft on the same night as, was it the finals? It was something else. There was something It was else. a finals game. It was a finals yeah, it was a bas- game. Right? It was a basketball game, yeah. Yeah, like, no one in the world is watching the draft. And they did such a bad job of, like, of advertising for it, of getting anyone interested. I mean, they had the combine that no one even knew was happening on a random Friday a few weeks ago. Right. Like they, they just, they try so hard to mess stuff up. And, um, I did, I mean, I did watch it, but it was still like, God, it was like, man, you, you guys are just, you're, you're not profiling and highlighting your own thing. So yeah, I mean, I would say, for sure, I was not nearly as into it as last year or the last, you know, five years, probably. I think they need to do, they need to move it back to like the middle of the week, make it its own, like have it be the feature of that night. You know, right. I think that's key. Right. I, I agree with that. And also they just, uh, they dumped it onto the internet for the, the days two and three. I think only day one was actually televised. You have, it's literally the MLB network. Why yeah. are you not? airing your own draft this goes back to when football just like remember when they just aired the first couple of rounds yeah it's again insane how much they try to screw up it's almost like they want to limit their funding somehow i don't know (laughs) it's crazy but i yeah no i and especially day two you still got like because of the nature of the draft because you have these you know the the caps and Mm -hmm. the way that you're able to negotiate deals under slot like day two, you get a lot of legitimate first round players. Not like the NFL draft where it's like, oh, he slipped. I don't know how that happened. It's like, no, they're cutting deals with guys to go to the second round that are first round players by everyone's definition. Mm-hmm. But they just don't like some teams don't want to pay them X amount because they're they're cutting slot for other players and so or under over slot. And so that like that day two should be very much or I guess rounds two and three should be yeah. extremely on like on everyone's radar because those guys are those are key pieces to trades like almost immediately within a year or two those guys are all you know trade chips and so they're i mean that to not highlight that is like just a crazy oversight well it feels like baseball is saying don't pay too much attention to us because then you'll remember how boring our sport is 
<laughs> it, it almost is. It's like, I want to say self-aware, non-self-awareness. Like, yeah. they're, they're, I don't know. They're, it's incredible. It's unbelievable how, I, like, those, you're right. And, you know, the draft is, I mean, I... I, I really grapple with this because I don't know if it's the best way to do it because it is like closer to free agency, which I think the players have earned some right to, but it's also like not natural and again, like separates the haves and the has, have nots a little yeah. bit. So I don't know. I mean, I, I it's tough, but I, I would want to highlight it regardless of what it is. Just people always love new shiny toys. Every fan loves that stuff. So like, oh, yeah. why wouldn't you put it on display? I mean, it does. It makes no sense. It doesn't. You would think you want these people out there in the world as quickly as possible so that there are no names so that when they do get there, they're even bigger already. People are paying more attention. And for a sport that's dying, you would think let's shine as much light on our young talent as possible. But, you know, baseball, it's like the motto is remember us fondly from your childhood. Seriously, it really is like they just, oh, it's a national pastime. I feel like national pastime is an insult. Yeah, that's, know, a, that's like, done. That is that's not the case anymore. That's silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously though, like it's they should be they should be highlighting these young guys, and I think they've depended way too much on the networks to do that for them. And MLB mm-hmm. TV, I, I actually think MLB TV generally does a, a very good job. Like their hosts are good, but you know, at the end of the day, not a lot of people are tuning into MLB TV. You know, and so right. it makes it hard. It makes it hard to like really reemphasize some of those players and. Again, MLB just, they don't do a good job of highlighting it in commercials and advertising. It's really just Fernando Tatis, and I, I don't even know who else is out there. I mean, Trout, like, sneaks himself into Gatorade ads, but I don't think mm-hmm. most people even know, you know, who Mike Trout is, like, sadly. Um, right. The, a guy who is a lock Hall of Famer. Like, or, yeah, or, like, people, sports fans know the name, but if he, you put him in a lineup with a bunch of other, you know big white guys like it'd be tough for them to know <laughs> I think it, it would be tough for them to know so i don't know they could well, that's, they could do a much better job that's an interesting question too like of all of the starters in the baseball game how many people would the average fan be able to identify if they just walked past them on the street oh my god the average sports fan or the average baseball fan the average let's say sports fan yeah, very uh, or, or sports fan slash casual baseball fan. You would know Otani because he's Asian. And yeah, and everyone's cool. gawking around him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's really like, I don't, I don't know that there would. I mean, I'm just trying to think through in my head the starters, like the two Reds outfielders. You're not going to get a lot of of people knowing who they are, um, no. especially outside of Cincinnati and Chicago with Castellanos. I mean, maybe you get. Yeah, I mean Tatis. I think Tatis probably just because of who he is, um, his name, and just kind of like the you know the ads and whatnot. And then, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to even think of anybody else. <laughs> so Tatis, and he was on the cover of MLB The Show this year. Here, yeah. here's here's the starters in the All Star Game. Let's just do a, a quick yes or no. Would the average sports fan slash casual baseball fan know who they are? Okay, casual pers- baseball fan, I think. Okay, ca- let's go casual baseball fan, because I think that's even more interesting. Okay. Walks by him on the street. Uh, Buster Posey. Yeah. Freddie Freeman. I don't think so. No. Adam Frazier. No, definitely not. I would. Nol- Nolan Arenado. That's a tough one. Um, 
If he's got his baseball hat on, then he's got a Cardinals hat on, then yeah. That's why they make him wear jerseys in the commercials. Right? No, seriously, though. Um, And I don't even know about Posey then, but I would say uh, it depends where. In Denver, yes. In St. Louis, probably. Anywhere else, probably not. Fine. So a town that he has played in for a significant amount of time. (laughs) And we're talking about about one of the, like, 15 best players in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tatis Jr., we agree on? I think so. I think, yeah. Acuna. No. Castellanos. No. Jesse Winkler. <laughs> Winker. No. Yeah, well, I don't even, I can't even yeah. pronounce his name, and I'm looking at Son it. Son of Harry, yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey. Uh, Salvador Perez. No way. Vlad Jr. I lean yes, but I think that I might just be so in the weeds that maybe, I don't know. I, that's I the so. one. I agree with you on that one. Uh, Marcus yeah. Simeon. No, no way. Raphael Devers. No. Xander Bogarts. No. Trout. I mean, I lean yes, despite my initial comment, but that's that's close, right? Yeah. He's the best player of his generation by far, and we're, it's a question. Right. Uh, judge. Yeah. Yeah, Just agreed. Just six. Yeah. yeah. Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> I'm going to say no on Hernandez. And Shohei. Yeah, I think yes. Uh, okay, so we have like like two yeses, three maybes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and a bunch that's of not great. That's not great. Whereas if you just listed, there's probably more quarterbacks in the Pro Bowl, which is not even like the best players that, that the average fan would know than the entire two starting lineups in baseball. For sure. And those guys are wearing helmets and only play 16 times a year. I mean... That you said it. That's perfect. I, yeah, it's pretty shameful. Really. Well, how you how you feeling about your socks? Bavada's got the uh, the White Sox plus two fifty, the favorites to win the AL right now. How you feeling wow. about them? Feeling pretty good. Um, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez have started rehab assignments. They are expected back on a team that has done a good job of you know of it. I was going to say just sort of barely making it here just gliding by but they're you know they're doing more than treading water they're you know they're they're playing well and their staff is as good of as any in in all of baseball so with giolito starting to get better lance lynn could have probably been the starting pitcher carl Rodon has been unreal and then you know dylan cease has, has been pretty good and then you got dallas keiko as your number five like they're mm. as long as they can stay healthy which is a huge if and i'm knocking on wood i like they are they're in a very good spot, and I do think that they will add both to the bullpen and probably because Nick Madrigal got hurt, got hurt, they'll probably look to add either an Adam Frazier, who you brought up, or Eduardo Escobar, or someone like that, to bridge the gap to um, to like make this team, you know, fulfill its its possibilities here. Because like, you know, let's just call it what it is like w- when you're a team that's somewhat inexperienced, you it's better to add and then just like figure out where people fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that they're in that spot. They're like one bad and probably one bullpen arm away from truly in my mind being the favorites. I think the Astros are still probably slightly better right at this point, but once Eli comes back and Robert comes back, I think they're, they're in a really good spot. Well, and by the way, I, uh, I inadvertently said that they were the, the favorites. They're the co-favorites at Bavada as the Astros are also plus two. Oh, there you go. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's a great, like, all those prospects we talked about, like, every one of them has hit, basically. Um, so, like, Gavin Sheets had a walk-off yesterday. Even, like, these second-rounders, 
we brought up earlier with the MLB draft, they're all doing pretty well. So it's it's an exciting time to be a White Sox fan, and it's just one of those like let's cross our fingers that you know Tony Larusa doesn't bungle something so massively that they can't finish the job. Well, you talk about Keuchel being your fifth starter. I think the the Phillies have a, an equal situation of just absolute riches in the starting rotation as yeah. one Matt Matt Moore is holding down that number five <laughs> spot right now. And that's uh, that's carried the Phillies to plus 1,800 at Bavada for sixth place to win the NL. <laughs> I like their rotation mostly, but they've just, and really just the roster, there are a lot of good pieces. The bullpen is a big question mark, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like, Nola has definitely started to flat, come back. I know he's coming off of COVID today. We'll see how he fares. But, um, you know, Eflin, I, I'm a big fan. And then you've got, you know, there, there's just, they've got good pieces all over the place. It's just, like, pulling it all together for whatever reason. It just hasn't materialized ever since they started spending money again. Yeah. Well, you know, my attitude is always, if you're not good enough to win the, the, the championship in your respective sport, then you probably shouldn't be spending a bunch of money to finish fifth. And I think that's yeah. where the Phillies are right now. That's, that's the really tough question. And I, I, there's really no good answer. Like, what do you do? I mean, mm. like, do you, do you really sell when you've got, you know, you're on the hook for real Muto and, you know, and, and Bryce and all these other big pieces for the foreseeable future. I don't know. I mean, it's, it is like, I don't think that they will be sellers, but I, I'm also not sure who they'd sell. Like, it's not like they're shipping Bryce out of town or something. No, but I think there is one obvious choice, and I think his stock is never going to be higher than it is right now, and that's Zach Wheeler. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, Wheeler has been awesome. Um, yeah, if if know, Jacob though, DeGrom doesn't him. exist, he's the Cy Young favorite right now. Yeah, and I mean, DeGrom's hurt again, so it's possible Wheeler can put, pitch himself into that. Oh, DeGrom's been just so incredible, though. Yeah. It's hard to argue, but yeah. For sure. But I mean, Wheeler sitting there, sub one whip, two point four four ERA. The wow. seven and five record is not indicative of how he's pitched. It's indicative of how the Phillies' offense has played and defense. Mm-hmm. To be to be fair, <laughs> but you know, past that, you know, Eflin is sitting at a four point one ERA. Noel is at a four point five. Velasquez is at a five. Chase Anderson, boy, that was a fun project. He's at a seven point three. <laughs> Matt Moore is at a five point two. I just. I don't know. I I know you can't trade Bryce. I know you can't trade Real Muto at this point, but I would start shipping pieces away and start biding my time for when you can trade those guys because just, this this team is currently constructed doesn't work. Yeah, I mean it's tough because you you hung your hat on those two guys on Nola and really Wheeler is a big part of this too. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wheeler is part like when they signed him at the same time the White Sox were gunning for him. They, you know, they they had designs on Wheeler starting game two in a World Series. Um, and, you know, it's hard to deal that guy away when you, I believe they have three more years of control for him. And he's been, they did take a little bit of a gamble on him. You know, like, I mean, he, he definitely got paid, but he didn't get, you know, he could have gotten a lot more. And, yeah. um, like, had he waited a year, agreed to a one-year deal with the match, or, you know, did, took their arm off or, and they've, you know, he wasn't that good last year, but he has been everything they hoped for this year. And I think that that's, that's a tough one because, like, okay, yeah, if you get, like, a Chris Sale-type return, then you got to do it. But Well, I that's the thing. You hope that you can get a Chris Sale-type return for 
Wheeler and a Jose Quintana like return for Nola and just <laughs> and keep going. And four years from now, five years from now, you can be the you can be the new version of the White Sox. They probably don't even have to wait that long because they have Harper and Rio Muto. You know, like they could just they could just sign another big time pitcher this offseason and be right back there. I mean, it could happen very quickly for them. The problem with this team, you know, the three guys who have the most at bats on the team, Hoskins, Baum, and McCutcheon, are hitting 233, 243, and 229, respectively. Oh, God. Baum has been. He was so. He's, bad. he's been a bomb, is what we're saying. Yeah. But he is a, I think he's come back a little bit. He's at a negative 0.9 war for the season. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I mean, he's he looks the part, but. You know, they may have rushed him a bit, given his, like, lack of actual experience. Although, you know, when he came up, he was he was hitting them pretty well, I thought, right away. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough one when you have those guys with the most at-bats on the team. McCutcheon's definitely a candidate to get moved, you got to think. For sure. I would be surprised if he weren't. Uh, I think, and I think talking about biding time, I think they're biding time until Alec Baum's playing first base next year in a post-Hoskins lineup. Is Hoskins a free agent after this year? I don't know that he's a free agent, but I can't imagine he's going to be back on this team with the Philadelphia fans are basically absolutely hate him at this point. He has been, he's been nothing in that lineup. The biggest problem is he's a victim of his own success. He's a victim of how well he did initially. Incredible. I mean, he was unreal to start. So yeah, I mean, it's hard. You set a certain precedent for yourself. It's not like you're going to hold back and wait to get it better down the line. You know I mean? Right. That's a tough thing. Um, yeah. Well, and I think the interesting thing about Hoskins, and I, this will probably surprise you, he's never hit above 259 in a season. That's pretty surprising. I mean, I always thought he was kind of a three true outcomes guy, but um, I still would have guessed it was better than that for sure. 259, 246, 226, 245, 233. He's a career 238 hitter at first base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, yeah, and you sign him, you're not exactly signing him for the glove. I mean, you want, no. he's not a bad, bad first baseman, but, like, it's a power bat that you hope gets on a lot, and that hasn't really happened that consistently for them. He walks. That's the only positive thing about uh, about Hoskins, but, yeah, yeah. Phillies baseball is fun. Um, <laughs> Bovada's got the Dodgers at plus 350 at the favorites to win the World Series, followed by the White Sox plus 550, the Astros 550, the Padres at seven. Where would you put your money right now? I mean, I I like Boston. Boston will bring back Chris Sale. I think that they've got, with De- you brought up Devers and Bogarts. Um, J.D. Martinez looks like last year was a fluke. I mean, he's he's really good, and they've got prospects to move for even better pitching if they need it and then mm-hmm. you know Renfro and Verdugo are really good outfielders like they're they're a really good team led by a good manager and I think that they're going to be they'll be right in the mix at the end and now that they've got Matt Barnes shutting stuff down for them that closes up the end game for them which is a problem a big problem for them the last few years so I think that they're in they're in great shape to be a like a decent value right there um, in terms of futures. Well, that, that's really solid value because Bavada has them sitting plus a thousand. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you put them up against the White Sox in a playoff series. I'm like not loving the White Sox chances. I think the Sox are rightful favorites in that scenario, but White Sox that is. But you know, if you've got if Sales back being anywhere near what he was, and you've got Yavaldi or you know anybody, the, the 
the Red Sox can just bash the hell out of basically anyone. So mm-hmm. that's a scary, scary team. While we're while we're speaking of uh, Bavada stuff, I woke up to a text this morning from one of our guys, uh, who basically has turned me into his bookie, uh, who <laughs> who really likes. To, told me he he has to get in on Cam Thomas is over under for the NBA draft sitting at twenty three and a half right now. <laughs> needs needs to take that under. Needs to take that under. Okay, okay. Maybe so he has uh, some intel. This well, I mean, Th- Thomas is in, invited to the green room. I think Ringer had him, uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connell, ha- Connor, had him nine on his big, his recent big board yesterday. Wow. Which I felt was a little bit high, but... That's a little, a little high. It, I'm just saying, you know, uh, the, the under at minus 120 is a pretty good proposition for Cam Thomas. Yeah, okay. I might have to take you up on that, too. That seems like a hot tip. I can only... I think I'm already breaking laws. So I can't. No, you're fine. I, I don't think so. Oh, good. Well, as long as you think it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think so. I don't have any expertise in this area. Let's. Uh, <laughs> enough said. Let's wrap this thing up with a uh, little talk. Game six NBA finals kicking off uh, six o'clock tonight. Suns currently down two to three against the Milwaukee Bucks. At Milwaukee and Bavada has the Bucks minus five. Bucks in six, folks. That is what I'm talking about. The Bucks are they're hot, man. I we talked about this series after game two, and I you know, for whatever reason, I don't feel like either of us were just bowing our heads to the Suns winning this and running away with it. No. And I I mean, again, series never starts till the home team loses. Well, the Suns lose game five. I feel like the Bucks are clearly the better team at this point. Mm-hmm. They could they could lose the next two. I think the mat, you know, it's a closely matched series. I I just it's hard to I I we said it last series. Maybe it was a Brooklyn one even. I feel like this whole thing was Chris Middleton's coming out party mm-hmm. more than anybody. I mean, Giannis has been incredible at being Giannis, but to me, this the whole story of these playoffs is Chris Middleton and him being the second best player on a champion and being every bit as good as he can possibly be. Like he is, he has just totally taken up the mantle and I like, I'm so, so impressed with him. I think that he, he, they just have no answers for him because he can switch so well defensively against the Suns. And then for the Suns, they don't, they just don't have a guy that can guard him, you know? Mm. Like, I mean, who do you put on him? You put, I guess you could put Jay Crowder on him, but now what? Now you're going to put Aiden on, on Giannis? Like, yeah, it has, to, it has to be Bridges, I think. Yeah, Bridges. And Bridges is going to be, get better, you know, but he's just not big enough right now to right. handle that. So it's been a big issue. I think that's been the key to this whole series. And I just don't see... I think that the Bucks are doing this tonight in Milwaukee um, in front of their faithful, which I think is... It'd be really cool, in my opinion. So, pretty sweet. Can, can we talk about how ballsy that last play of the game was from uh, from the Bucks last week. Oh, when the holiday oop. Drew, Drew rips Chris Paul, and then instead of oh. pulling it out, throws an alley-oop to Giannis. Giannis Way, gets fouled. Like, failing, like going out of bounds. Like yeah. That ball could have easily ended up in the second row. Giannis makes it, gets fouled, and the game's over. It was, I was, uh, we were at our friend's place and my, uh, my young baby was sleeping, my young baby, my baby mm-hmm. was sleeping and, um, 
I just lost it, like physically. Uh, but I don't know how you watch that play and not immediately just yell at yeah. the screen. It was one of the all-time great. There's been a couple of them this series, the Giannis block, um, you know, and then that. That was just the, the – especially because the Suns had made such an impressive comeback. And, you know, they've got the ball down one with, what, 16 seconds left, I think? Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're going to score. Chris Paul, you know, been clutch throughout these playoffs and incredibly unlikable, but clutch. Yeah. And, you know, and then Drew does that. And then, like you said, the the opposite end. It was one of those visceral reactions that you just can't, you know, you just hope for those moments, especially when you're not a fan of either team. They just see, like, see that kind of thing happen. That's exactly an all-time historic moment. That was Drew, in my mind, just Drew being Drew. Like, he yeah. makes... He is his blood temperature at, in big moments is so low. I mean, he makes dumb plays sometimes, but he never ever seems flustered in my no. mind, like at any point. No, and if you talk to you know basically any guard in basketball, they will say he is the most underrated player in basketball, and he's the single best on-ball defensive uh, guard in basketball today. Man, that's a statement. I mean, for Chris Paul to get caught up in that moment and lose it like that, I think it's a testament to holiday too on the defensive end so and he is you know he hasn't had a smooth playoffs i would say it's been very Mm -hmm. very rocky at times but that play is i think very emblematic of the kind of player they got the difference between having eric bledsoe run the show and drew holiday is like i mean they don't win the net series with bledsoe without making that trade and it's kind of crazy to me to think like what how much better these bucks would have been had they had either divincenzo healthy or you know, if they had fulfilled that Bogdanovich trade, you mm-hmm. know, to have neither of them is like, I mean, they're still doing it. I think they still close this thing out tonight, but it's, you know, they could be, they could be a lot better. They could be a, a head and shoulders the best team in this, these playoffs. Instead of relying on Pat Connaughton. Yeah. Oh my God. That guy sucks, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he's, doing, he's making his occasional threes here and there, but he is like, yeah. Well, and you have to think the Bucks are going to continue to be aggressive. They they went basically all in last offseason on Drew and Bogdanovich, only to have the Bogdanovich thing fall apart. You know, if right. they see a similar opportunity, I can't imagine they're not going to aggressively pursue it. I think so for sure. They're they're just they're they're kind of locked in though. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of locked in with those three because they extend Drew, and so. Yeah, but I think that they'll they'll keep trying to build around the mar like on the margins. I just don't know like how much room is there to get better off of, you know, Connaughton. I guess like Divincenzo is sort of a piece. They might just hold, sort of well, he, bide their he, time with him. I don't yeah, know. I mean, Divincenzo was the piece that got him Bogdanovich. Right, but yeah, and I I don't know where his stock is relative to last year. I'd assume it's it's fallen a little just because he got hurt and because you know he's got one less year of control. But yeah, I don't know. Last last thing before we get out of here, and I want to uh, something kept crossing my mind that entire game, and I wondered if other people had this thought as well. Was it at all bizarre to you that we have never seen Giannis as tired as he was in that game on the same day that his brother is in COVID protocols? Yeah. Oh man, that is. <laughs> I mean, when when you see Thanasis get the COVID protocol, in my mind, it was like. How is it possible that he is out right. but Giannis is in? They're best friends. They're literally with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when they walk in at the tunnel, like, you know, it's them together. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I think it's a very fair question to raise. We have um, never seen Giannis drag like that. 
I mean, he, yeah, first half of game one, maybe a little, but that was obviously after the hyperextension and all that stuff. So, yeah, it, yeah, it was, <laughs> I, I don't think you're far off there reaching in, in a crazy place. I'm not claiming anything. I'm just saying. That's all. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. For Anshu Kana, I'm Chris Horwardell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time.